Hello again, everyone. Tom Oglesby in the FM 98.3 KCRD studios. The rumors of my death and the death of Colleen and Janet have been greatly exaggerated. Just felt like death. Just Just, felt like death. I look like death. (laughs) (laughs) And to ward off any other death in the name of the Father and the the Son Son, and the the Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. 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 Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. Is it two weeks or three weeks? It's this is been three. Three weeks yeah. here. Today's uh, the 22nd, and the last time we recorded was November 1st, oh. Saints Day. Why is that? Why should our listeners know that what's been going on with us? Yeah. Well, I, I don't know about you guys, but I have missed the show and doing the show and keeping everybody up to date. But the fact of the matter is, all three of us were down with COVID. Yeah. yeah. All Something three weird. of us. Yeah. And we can thank Colleen for that. So I just oh. want to publicly acknowledge your, She's your a generosity. Raccoon. She's a carrier. <laughs> she, her generosity, and you don't have to give me anything for Christmas. Oh, you wait and see what I give you for Christmas after that comment. <coughs> yeah, so it seems like so many people we know got COVID that first week in November. I, I, I'm amazed few. at how many people. Yeah, a lot of it going around, although... Uh, <laughs> In the, in the next sentence, they say, you know, the tests are wholly inaccurate. There are a lot of false positives. Uh, I've talked to a few physicians in here. A lot of bronchitis going on. Right. RSV. RSV. A lot of RSV. Mm-hmm. Uh, in adults. Mm-hmm. Some pneumonia going mm-hmm. on. So uh, regardless of what the final uh, diagnostic is, mm-hmm. um, a lot of people got it. You know, it did. And it's nasty. I mean, Bill and I, Bill got it on the first and I got it on the second. And for two weeks, down and out. Um, And I don't know about you guys, and we'll talk a little bit about our experience. But even, it was hard to pray. I'm lying in bed thinking, all right, let me start a rosary. I'm like, I don't think I remember how to pray a Hail Mary. I I don't know. Did you guys experience any of that? Uh, I think... It's curious that you bring that up. Not only you, you would forget the um, the prayers. What do they call this? COVID fog, Janet. You've been talking about yeah. that. For yeah, COVID fog, fog, brain fog. You brain just fog, can't COVID think clearly. Fog. You can't think. You can't remember. Uh, I can remember being in bed, too achy to stand up, too achy to lay down. And I'm thinking, just give me the rosary, and I'm going to hold it here, and uh, I'm going to start Hail Mary and uh, see where that goes. And um, sometimes you just lay for hours. I think that was the hardest thing, and I've talked to a lot of guys uh, that just said, uh, I can't sleep. Yeah, yeah. I got body ache. It hurts. The headaches. I can't sleep. I got headaches from East Hell, and uh, can't get rid of it. But uh, when they finally broke, you know, people were thankful for two, three, four hours of sleep, continuous right. sleep. Yeah, so. and you know, you talk about things breaking, but it seems like I've also heard a lot of people, and I, I felt it a little bit too, you go backwards. Like, you feel like you're getting a little better. Okay, you can stand up without getting dizzy and falling over. And, you know, the next thing you know, you're back in bed going, oh, I feel like hell again. 
mm-hmm. with guilt. Yeah. You know, one of the things I was thankful for is um, technology with YouTube videos because I have a bunch of rosaries that I try to pray, especially. Mm-hmm. This was a great time for that, the rosary and the Divine Mercy Chaplet, and just trying to make a retreat of my sickness. And every day I got to the point where I'm offering it up and, you know, I'm basically not offering up the negativity of the of having COVID, but offering up my desire to want to unite this to the cross and suffer with Jesus. And So where did you pick up on that? Because that came to me during this three weeks here, too. That was early on. I, there was something I that. read. Somebody, or somebody said that. It wasn't the offering of the pain, the right. suffering. It was the what Christ desires is your desire to to be united with him not in, in pain and suffering but the, the but the willingness the act of the will that yep. i will that your will and my will be one regardless of my petty which at the time didn't feel so petty it uh, felt like uh, oh i was i was delighted to yeah. to do it those first couple of days but as it went on i got into the depression the anxiety the I can't do this anymore. I'm a wimp. Here I want to be a saint. I can't even keep my word to Jesus about offering something up. And it was just like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, so much for that martyrdom yeah, application. Right. right. I remember, I forget who said this, but they uh, the quote is, she thought she could be a martyr if they killed her quickly. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, yep, that's the truth. Because you linger in bed with COVID for a couple of weeks and you think, the, this is for the birds. Hey, yeah, but- no, I was thinking about that because I'm like, what would be the best way to go? You know, if somebody would just shoot me right in the head, you know, or um, if it had to be like the guillotine, that would probably be okay, you know. But I'm like, please don't throw me in the Mississippi River with an anchor tear tied around my neck because that's going to take a while. Well, what about what about Daniel and the three guys in the fire? <coughs> hey, we got to thank the guys at the end of the wagon train, though. I mean, look at all the people bringing... The, I didn't know there were so many varieties of chicken soup. Oh, oh people yeah. have been awesome in bringing things like that and praying. We have the so greatest many, friends. We really do have the greatest friends. And, yes, so thank you to so many people that stepped up and what do you need and, and I'll bring you stuff. It's, we really do have a lot of good friends in Dubuque. So the food, I, I take it that it was good because I haven't been able to taste or smell yet. I didn't lose mm-hmm. uh, my taste. Well, I shouldn't say that. There were a couple of things that maybe I did lose it or whatever here. To me, it was like a comparison of all this wonderful food, but it was hot sushi because the texture I could, you know, eat and chew and so on and so forth. So to me, it was like, okay, that's that texture, but no taste, no smell. The poor guys who lost their taste and lost their appetite got hit hard. Oh, yeah. Because they lost weight. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, it's, it's one thing to continue to eat. It is feed a cold, starve a fever, right? Yeah, and it was something where I found myself forcing myself to eat. Right. Because I was losing weight, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Some guys want... didn't. Some guys didn't taste good. They couldn't eat. They didn't eat. And yeah, and Bill had such a sore throat that and no appetite that he couldn't eat. And in through those three weeks, he lost 30 pounds so weak yeah he looks like just a bag of bones and he didn't have the weight to lose the first he was time a but bag of bones to begin with <laughs> right yeah so you're right i mean you lose that and he didn't really lose his sense of taste or or smell it just with the sore throat he didn't want to swallow he didn't want to eat um 
and uh, that's yeah, yeah. I really thought a lot about you know not only did the three of us go through this, but I really thought about so many other people. And one of the things I found myself weeping one day because you know I'm in midlife, and this was really difficult for me. Um, but I thought about all the people who are older than me, you know, like 10, 20 years older than me that have had this. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I just kind of wept for them because if I'm feeling as rotten as I did, you know, as you're older, it's even worse. So my heart and my prayers sure went out to a lot of other people who were older that were really struggling. Well, and we're still in, in, uh, uni in uh, unity and that's not the word I'm looking here with them they're comrades with us we're, we're mm -hmm. see there's that fog again there's that fog. <laughs> it's and, not coming out yeah and you know i would uh, agree janet but i kept thinking about people like you that lived alone right yeah. at least i could check on bill or he could check i mean you know there was someone around in the house but i kept thinking about people who live alone and i thought who's checking on them yeah yeah and i kept thinking about uh, the people who we're sick perhaps not this year, but last year, and um, they still haven't gone back to church. You know, they, it's, it's still hard for them to pray alone. Um, you know, a lot of us try to get to Mass more than once a week, mm -hmm. or every day if you can, get to the chapel. You know, it plays on your mind. It, it plays does. on your mind that, well... I'm not. I'm sick. I don't. The obligation is relieved in some way. Now I got to start. Well, am I am I really sick or what's going on here? And um, the the old uh, Lucifer is playing some games with our minds here. I know that when I um, and I don't know about you guys. I'd like to know your experience. But part of my experience and not being able to go to mass because I generally try to. I'm a daily mass goer. I try to be. When I couldn't go to mass during the week and all of a sudden Sunday rolls around because I kept thinking oh I'm gonna be better I'll be at church nope that didn't happen another week goes by can't go to mass another Sunday comes around can hardly move yet and I'm like this is getting to be ridiculous and I remember when I was first able to go to a daily mass I cried because I missed Jesus so much and I it was a grace it was a grace to realize what a sinner I am and also how much I believe in the Eucharist and I believe in Jesus and I need his healing and the reality of how Satan when you're sick and not going to mass you're missing out on graces you're missing out on healing you're missing out on all the things that he wants to give you there's no strength there's no supernatural strength and at the same time you've got Satan who's trying to tempt you and take everything away from you and you're just like in this battle and you're so sick you can hardly deal with anything I love the way she sets us up we got time. What what's our we calendar? We got time. Seven minutes left, so we've got time to do this. <clears throat> we better get into this here. I found a beautiful prayer from a good friend. Many of you were um, in Dubuque in February when Father Greg Bramlage came to town, and he held a mission here at at the parish, at a parish, and uh, three nights I think Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. We had a uh, uh, an event that following Saturday downtown at the Grand River Center. And it was just snow flurries for five hours. So uh, six inches later, we were uh, still... Anyway, I found a beautiful prayer that he has uh, 
compiled, Renouncing COVID-19 and Its Conditions. By the way, Father Bramlage makes his way back here again in February. Um, I hear he's coming to a couple of areas, uh, perhaps in northeast Iowa at uh, two or three of the parishes clustered, or is it, does Father Gross have more than? Like Spillville, Oshin. Kelmer. Kelmer. Three for sure. And I hear he may be back in Tama. And we'll, uh, we'll let you know more about that information when it comes on here. But this is a beautiful prayer. It's supposed to be said three times. We don't have time for that. Anybody that wants a copy of this prayer will, uh, will help you out. Although uh, it would be nice to go to Father Bramlage's website and purchase it from him here. There's additional prayers. But let's say this here. And uh, in the, what do you got here? I, I was just going to say, you know, uh, people might be a little... Um, taken aback by thinking that you pray to renounce COVID. But I I think if we are realistic, I think we recognize that there is a spiritual component to this virus, and it's not good. Uh, And so a lot of the things that we're going to read here about renouncing... COVID's a creature. A virus. It's alive. Yeah, yeah. And engineered to be more destructive than it normally would be. As they said to Dorothy, are you a good virus or a bad virus? Yeah. Well, and just if it's engineered, there's a lack of ethics, and that means that there's also a door open for evil to enter. And I, and you're right, and I think that's why we want to say this prayer, but we, we want to let people know it's perfectly fine to pray against viruses and illnesses and yes. diseases because oftentimes there is a spiritual component. We're not saying always and everywhere, but sometimes there is. And if there is a spiritual component, something demonic behind COVID, we want to renounce that. Yes. Amen. Read right? Mark's gospel. Yeah. Everything Christ did, he drove the demon out yeah. and said, give something... Give her something to eat. So we had four minutes here. <clears throat> Can we pull this off? Sure. Otherwise, we'll have to do this. Uh, we'll go to overtime jail. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ, I renounce the coronavirus, fear of coronavirus, all symptoms of coughing, congestion, runny nose, chills, sore throat, headache, diarrhea, pneumonia, body aches, chest and muscle pain, fever, nausea, loss of taste, loss of smell, shortness of breath, breathing difficulty, fatigue, tiredness, and confusion. In the name of Jesus Christ, I renounce sickness, infirmity, disease, pandemics, outbreaks, plagues, contagion, ailment, disorder, affliction, frailty, weakness, disability, impairment, immobility, pain, and torment. In the name of Jesus Christ, I renounce isolation, loneliness, abandonment, depression, despair, despondency, discouragement, defeatism, negativism, dejection, hopelessness, morbidness, heaviness, gloom, burden, and disgust, fatigue, tiredness, weariness, sleepiness, exhaustion, laziness, and lethargy. In the name of Jesus Christ, I renounce fear, worry, anxiety, dread, apprehension, 
perfectionism, control, scrupulosity, paranoia, suspicion, distrust, persecution, nervousness, tension, headaches, migraines, nail-biting, restlessness, and insomnia. In the name of Jesus Christ, I renounce impatience, annoyance, restlessness, agitation, frustration, irritability, intolerance, exasperation, anger, blame, aggression, temper, criticism, verbal abuse, physical abuse, sexual and emotional abuse. In the name of Jesus Christ, I renounce grief, sorrow, misery, loss, mourning, lamentation, anguish, agony, crying, sadness, heartache, heartbreak, guilt, shame, remorse, regret, loathing, unworthiness, embarrassment and self-reproach, death, destruction, loss, poisoning, accident-prone, suicide, euthanasia, and mercy killing. In, In the, the name, name of, of Jesus Christ, Christ, I break the power of everything I have renounced. I command it to leave me now and go straight to the foot of the cross for Jesus Christ to do with as he will. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. That prayer is available. Uh, maybe we should put that up on the website. That'd be a great idea. And I know you're supposed to say it three times, and and I hope that as people listen, they were praying it in their heart. I know one of the things that really helped me uh, during my time with COVID was turning on Catholic radio. And when I couldn't pray the rosary, boom, there it is at 11 o'clock in the morning praying the rosary. When I couldn't pray the chaplet, boom, there's Drew praying the chaplet. And I really let them carry the heavy load. And I just went on their coattails um, and united my prayers with the, theirs. So, um, so same for this prayer right here. There's a new sheriff in town, COVID. His name's Jesus Christ, and we'll be right back after these announcements on the chatter. Tom Oglesby back with you in the FM 98.3 KCRD studios. Janet Wagner. And I'm Colleen Pasnick. And we're, what did you say, 82%? Is that what we're up to here? Fighting strength? Yes, I'm at about 80. I feel like I'm going backwards, but... I think I'm better than you are. I'm 82%. I'm 95, you guys. Come yeah, on, yeah. step it up. Well, look at her. Although, although I'll have to say the reason is because I had some friends and they kind of got tough with me. They're like, you know what? You walk back and forth from your garage three times. You get off that cuff. I'm like, oh, oh okay. <laughs> it does help. Start moving, right? <laughs> you got to keep moving. Get that blood going here. You got you to be positive. So here we are, the chatter, and we've got some uh, more headlines. We just came uh, out of... Baltimore again. Yeah, so that headline, the bishops meeting in Baltimore. And many Catholics have been disappointed by these meetings, primarily for two reasons. One, the failure on how they addressed our unelected president, Joe Biden. And then secondly, this Eucharist, this Eucharistic document that they want to put out. And uh, they called for a vote. And aside from the abstentions, Eight voted against it, so predominantly the rest of them voted for it. Who vote, Who were the eight? We don't know. It's all like, private. 
What? Yeah. It's yeah. private. Yeah. What do you mean? Cowards. Sorry. What, what do you no, mean? They've, Don't gone, they... the, they've gone electric. They're, uh... Yeah. They've gone electric. So you can't even find out who voted. Well, what? not so far. We're we're. Uh, when did they close out? Thursday, Friday. We're recording this on a Monday. We'll see what Diane Montagna or. or uh, what Michael Boris has to say, uh, or Matthew Bunsen, or yeah. uh, Ed. Ed Petten. What's his name? You know, somebody will find out. It'll yeah. Come out here. But the the the, the, the real challenge here is is. The, the feedback you're getting is uh, bishops saying, well, the conference isn't binding. Well, this is true. You know, each ordinary is head of his diocese. And your primary responsibility as a bishop is to... The laity in your diocese. But No, your, but your responsibility is to defend the faith. Oh, yes, right. yes, yes. Yeah, to, yeah. The, to the laity. As the authority. Yeah. So, I mean, to... I mean, this is the central figure here. It's not the issue. Everybody wants to point this as a political issue and, the, and a sitting president, uh, not to mention members of Congress. Guys, this is the central. This is John's chapter six. Mm -hmm. This is nothing new. Everybody walked away and they looked at, he looked at, the man, the God man looked at Peter and said, are you going to leave too? And he said, well... We're not sure where we'd go. To whom shall we go? <laughs> to whom should we go? The rest of them left. So this is the most divisive question of all time. Christ didn't shrink from it. He didn't form a committee on Eucharistic cohesion. He said, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. And Paul, in the letter to the Corinthians, said, if you eat and drink unworthily, you eat and drink condemnation on yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know about you guys, but I have to say, when I heard they were going to come out with a document on Eucharistic coherence, I mean, have they just become a laughing stock? I mean, doesn't, what did uh, Cardinal Seurat say? You can ask a seven-year-old, do you really need a cardinal to answer that question yeah, about worthiness grader. to receive? I mean, it's kind of like, just stop, just stop it. Just stop it, right? Don't come out with another document about Eucharistic coherence because you're not going to do anything. So just quit pretending that you care about protecting the Eucharist, first and foremost, protecting our Lord, and protecting people who are receiving unworthily, who are eating and drinking condemnation on yourself. Just stop pretending. Especially with the sins that cry out to heaven. You have, to, you, have to, you have to cut through this here. This this has nothing to do with with teaching. This the has, teaching's been there. Th this no. This has to do with risk management. What do you mean, Tom? <laughs> what I mean is the bishops are exercising risk management because they know if they teach this, they will be called on the carpet. They will be exposed for the more sins that have been covered up in the church in the last five or ten decades and that whatever assets they have left will be squandered in litigation lawsuits uh, out-of-court settlements and all of that I mean this call it what it is you know, one of the things that as I was listening to this and some of the reports coming out from our favorite people, um, 
Raymond Royal was in a discussion Thursday night, last Thursday night. Great show. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that came up, you know, was um, when Mother Angelica tried to talk about the Eucharist and defend the Eucharist, and it was Bishop Maloney at the time that basically wanted to cut her head off. And she didn't back down. And I tell you, I, I felt invigorated. I still do by um, Mother he, Angelica. He rose from the dead. He did? Yeah. He's back. Yeah. He's back. Yeah, coming out. He's emeritus, so he's coming out of retirement. And how did all that happen? Right? Because when Gomez got in there to L.A., he was like, nope, Mahoney, you are basically a heretic. You may not speak in this diocese anymore. And then what not happened? Not only do that, he, was, he wasn't uh, authorized to uh, the sacraments. The, the cardinal archbishop typically is the principal administer, administrator of the sacrament of uh, confirmation. But Gomez came in and shut him down. Shut him down. Shut him down, okay, as he should have. But why is Mahoney not shut down? Yeah, that's interesting. Because the Pope said, oh, no, you can't shut him up. Well, he, and this gets interesting, too. He bounced higher than McCarrick did. He yeah, bounced right. higher, but not only that. The other thing that I heard is that um, during this meeting, or at the end of it, Supich was called into Rome. Mm-hmm. And we have yet to figure out why that is. There's a carpet in Rome. A flying carpet? Magic flying carpet. <laughs> called on, on the carpet. Here's the practical consequence, though. Everything that we've said here leads up to what? This, this, is, this, is, this, this is it here. More than 80% of Catholics, whether they go to church or they don't go to church, do not believe in the real presence. It is symbolic. It's just something that they talk about. By the bishops not teaching, here we've been talking about chastisements and, and all of this. This is the great chastisement. The Lord God Almighty has allowed us this chastisement. He has inflicted upon us ignorance. He has inflicted upon us ignorance. As Catholics, we no longer believe in the centrality that makes us followers of Christ. When he looked at Peter and said, are you going to leave me too? And Peter responded, Lord, to whom should we go? You are the one with the words of everlasting life. And the centrality of the real presence has not been taught because of risk management, worldly assets that are at risk. And the, and the fallout is not only the sexual abuse in the church, but the spiritual abuse. The sexual abuse of the church has reached but a small percentage of Catholics. That's not to minimize what they've experienced, the tragedy and the horror of their abuse. But more than 80% of Catholics have been spiritually abused by not being taught the truth that is someone and not something. Well, and the thing that is so sad about that is the bishops, as a cohesive group, are so evasive about the reality. The reality is, Jesus said, drink my blood, eat my flesh. This is me. This is the real presence. How many pages do you need to define that? It is what it is. And the thing is, is like you said, Colleen, and if you do this, like in St. Paul's letters, 
where he said, you know, basically, and if you do it in a state of mortal sin, you bring condemnation on yourself. But I look at this and I'm like, what, what do you think our blessed Lord and mother have going on with, of conversations between themselves about the bishops from the United States? And not only the United States, you guys. I mean, let's. Be I mean, it's fair. worldwide. It is worldwide. It's but worldwide. we're a leading country, so I think we have more responsibility, or so you would think. But I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But it's that COVID fog. But uh, it just it just saddens me. It's very sad. And Tom, when you were talking earlier about chastisements and priests and things like that, it reminded me of a quote by Saint John Eudes, and he says that the most evident mark of God's anger and the most terrible castigation he can inflict upon the world are manifested when he permits his people to fall into the hands of clerics who are priests more in name than indeed priests who practice the cruelty of ravening wolves rather than the charity and affection of devoted shepherds and he also says, um, he quotes Gregory the Great, who says that priests and pastors will stand condemned before God as the murderers of any soul's loss through neglect or silence. And this is what we are experiencing. I think he's exactly right. This is the most terrible castigation that God can inflict upon the world. Which which is, saint was this? That was St. John Eudes. You he know, it also... Yes. It was it, featured in the, ch in, not the chatter, the uh, bellowing, bellowing ox. ox. In the uh, two issues ago here, if you aren't getting the uh, award-winning Bellowing Ox newsletter, get to the kcrd-fm.org website and get signed up on that. You know, the other saint that, when you were talking about St. John Eudes, is also Catherine of Siena. I mean, in her dialogues with Jesus, you know, it pained her to see the bishops that were going to hell, not only because of their actions, but, I mean, it was just so eye-opening, and it makes you wonder, what, are they talking about our times, her times? And it just it's just so unbelievable that we're in the state of affairs that well, we here's, are. Well, here's where we're at. We're, we're in, the, uh, in the outer temple area right now. And Jesus is walking in here to the outer temple where, where they've turned his father's house into a den of thieves. And he's going to start overturning the temples because what we're doing right now, what we're doing right now is we are circling the wagons to protect the dollar, the financial assets of dioceses and archdioceses at the expense, not, not now, of sexual predation, but now of spiritual predation. It's gone from harming people's bodies to putting their souls at risk because we value the almighty dollar, the assets and real estate and endowments and whatever because of the sexual cover-up. And the attorneys general, the, the Lord God's going to walk in here and he's going to start overturning tables. And, uh, and also I think along with that is the desire for human respect instead of what is right in the sight of God. You know, when you start thinking about human respect and, uh, and, and what other people think of me, then what does God think of me? Then you've got things backward and upside down. The only other thing I want to add about uh, St. John Eudes, lest um, I seem too hard on the bishops, is 
that St. John Eudes concludes by saying, when God permits such things, it's a very positive proof that he is thoroughly angry with his people. That's us. That's us. And right? Then, so I don't want to put all this stuff on the bishops and the priests. He is mad with us. All of us. Look at the people and our sins. Well, and the other thing that brings up when you talk about us is so many people are now saying, what can laity do? And who was it Fulton Sheen? That said that to save the church, mm -hmm. um, it'll be the laity. Mm -hmm. It won't be the bishops. It won't be the priests. Yep. And I, and I find that incredibly interesting. And I think part of that story is still un, is unraveling as we live. Um, well, we got, the, we, we got the roadmap. We got the roadmap. She gave it to us in 1917. What did she say? Our Lady Pray of the Rosary. Prayer and penance, prayer and penance, prayer yep. and penance. Yep. First Saturday devotion, uh, first Friday had prayer. Been fasting and us. pray the rosary i mean pray the rosary every and, day. and your point on john yeed's closing paragraph closing sentence is spot on you can beat up on the bishops all you want if you got a bad bishop it's your fault that's what he's saying that is what saint john is saying that is what he's saying it's proof that god is thoroughly angry with his people and we have to look around at what our liability is have we spoken against abortion have we spoken against the homosexual agenda have we spoken against these sins that cry to heaven and, for vengeance and not only spoken but i think we need to go a step farther and look at where have our actions been in shutting down these things not only speaking out about this but i went to i went to uh try to get to daily mass this this uh sickness interrupted uh, that harmony but on what was it november the first saturday was the sixth mm -hmm. of november now this is a sad commentary and so far as i know plantville has a mass every saturday including first saturday east dubuque st mary used to i believe they still do i haven't heard one way or the other but Nativity Dubuque has a 8 o'clock first Saturday Mass. Now, there's a dozen parishes, but one parish has a first Saturday Mass. Resurrection had one a while ago. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll give them the, uh, the chance that they might have a 9 o'clock yet. But that November 1st one here, the first Saturday on November 6th is my statement 125 150 people in nativity on first saturday and she gave us the recipe that says go to mass on first saturday go to, co confession, go to confession on first yep. saturday go to communion pray the rosary and meditate on the mysteries of the rosary and 125 people out of 65,000 people in Dubuque showed up at first Saturday Mass. Don't blame your bishops, guys. Well, I think, you know, part of the reason it's easy for me, quite frankly, to blame the bishops is because a lot of us have been crying out to the bishops and our priests to say, we want the truth, we need the teaching, please. Yeah, I get And that. we get I nowhere. Get I, I get that. I get that. At the same time, We've got to uh, evangelize because we've, uh, you know, bishops are taking a beating. Priests are taking a beating. Mm -hmm. Some of it's rightfully so. There's still some good bishops. There's still some great priests. You bet. They need to do that. 
But but in fact, the laity are get the ones that are in the world. Get out of bed. Yeah, get out of bed. Educate yourself on on the faith and Our Lady of Fatima and those messages and and help save your soul. And uh, but um, oh shoot, brain fog. How long can I blame this COVID for my brain fog? Oh, that's what I was going right to say. up until you go in the nursing home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was going to say is the laity are the ones in the workplace talking with other people. And, and there is some power in saying, why don't you come to mass with me? Or, Hey, here's a there pamphlet on first Saturdays. Did you there know you about this? I mean, there is that kind of evangelization that we can do. Lay people can do in the workplace among our friends. Um, that does not involve going out at knocking door to door. Um, yeah. Well, I think she talked her way out of that one here. That's uh, segment two of the uh, chatter. We're going to be right back here at FM 98.3 KCRD right after these announcements. You're back. This is The Chatter on FM 98.3 KCRD. I'm Tom Oglesby. I'm Janet Wigner. And I'm Colleen Pasnick. She's got more color now than she did when she started. Janet. I never had color. I'm the most pale person ever. Yeah. There we go. Got a couple more headlines here, Janet, out of uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin. This is just down a road apiece. Yeah, this is um, big news this past week. Kyle Rittenhouse was found not guilty on all charges, and that was pretty amazing news. For one, I was pretty excited about that. It was huge news, especially the way that uh, the media was covering it. And, uh, you know, MSNBC person is chasing the jury bus. And yeah, I mean, what right. was that, that was about? crazy. Was Trying just... to get pictures so that he could see who the jurors were. Yeah, it was really crazy. Um, so we should probably, for I'm sure most of our listeners are familiar with Kyle Rittenhouse, but this was when all the riots started happening last summer. Um, up in Kenosha, and he was the young man that was armed, and his purpose was to be up there protecting property and also to give um, people um, need for health if they had a health need, and he was just trying to be one of the good guys. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I didn't learn until just recently, someone put it on Facebook, was that um, the gas station where it all started and where Kyle stayed up until they came to attack him was owned by his grandparents. That's why he was where he was. He was protecting his grandparents' property. I didn't know that. I didn't either. Our good friend Jason Jones has a litany of of things we didn't know. Yeah, I'll read just a couple of them because it is a litany. But Jason Jones, in case you don't know, great pro-lifer, was a producer of the movie Bella. Um, Great guy, Uh, Jason Jones. You can find him on Facebook. But he he posted this, and and I did not know a lot of these things. And he said, Until I watched the trial for myself, I didn't know the gas station where it all started and where Kyle stayed up until they started attacking him is owned by his grandparents. They came on his property to attack him. Okay, I didn't know that. And we we have a right to protect our property. We do. We do have a right to protect the property. Now, here's the other thing he says. I didn't know that Kyle put out a dumpster fire that was being rolled down to the gas station to blow it up with people all around. I didn't know, I didn't that, know that. I didn't know that either. Um, said, um, I didn't know that someone knocked Kyle Rittenhouse down twice and then attempted to kick him with lethal force to the head. 
I didn't know that until the when they found him not guilty, and then they were showing pictures. That's the mm-hmm. first I saw that. Mm-hmm. Um, then it says, and, the, and again, there's many of these, but one of them says, I also didn't know that in the state of Wisconsin, it's legal for Kyle to have a gun even at 17, which is why the gun charge was dismissed. Right. So there are a lot of things... Um, uh, that that we did not know, that the media did not do their job to say these these very important facts of the case. And I did see that someone on the Young Turks, which is a very liberal, left-leaning website, she admitted, she said, you know, until I saw the video, I thought Kyle was chasing them. Mm-hmm. She said it was the other way around. Exactly. They were chasing him. And she said, I have to apologize on that because I've been wrong. I thought he was chasing them. So that was a kind of a little glimmer of of light. Um, but and the other thing that I was very surprised to hear because I haven't we don't have TV, so I haven't been following it that closely. But Kyle Rittenhouse is a white guy. The three guys he shot were all white guys. So but how is it is, racist? Right. This is all set up as a white supremacist racist thing. I, I honestly I thought he shot black guys. The way that it has all been talked about. The way it's all been pitched by the media. To think that. Yeah. Well, even even in the election when Joe Biden was running for president, he went down that path and just nailed Kyle Rittenhouse to the floor, saying that he's a white supremacist. So imagine what kind of defamation lawsuit will potentially come out of that. But and look at the power of that. You just say something, right? You don't prove. You don't offer proof. You just make an allegation of white supremacy. And people automatically think, oh, he must have shot black guys. Sure. Right. Right. And that was not the case at all. Yeah. So was it the Curie of ours or um, Padre Pio who, um, after hearing the confession of the woman who was the notorious gossip in the village, uh, the uh, he, she was given the, the penance of uh, going... And getting a chicken and she says yes all right i will get a chicken and then i want you to pluck the chicken and that uh, pluck the chicken yes yes and then i want you to take the chicken feathers and throw them up into the air as the wind comes through in the morning and she says, yes i will buy the chicken i will pluck the chicken i will throw the feathers up into the air and now for your penance, bring back all of the chicken feathers. Hmm. Well, Father, how can I get the chicken? They're all over. And yes, so are all of your lies and gossip that you have been spending here. Right. That's a, that's a great, <laughs> excellent analogy of the power of words and how once they leave your mouth and they go out there, you just ain't getting them back. I know. I mean, even even as we sit here and discuss different things, you know, the responsibility that we have just as three individuals and how we share our opinions and share our, our what we do know. We don't know everything, that's for sure. And it stands out probably most times when words come out of my mouth, so I apologize. 80%. 80%, yeah. <laughs> but I, I look at the importance of Kyle Rittenhouse's case at this time in our country's history in the culture that we have going on, that win needed to happen like that. Yeah. 
Um, well, this is this is important. So as you go through there, and uh, Colleen, maybe you can direct people uh, to where those th- those are not all of the statements that Jason Jones. Uh, made public upon investigation. No, there are other statements. And at the very end, he said it was a copied statement from someone, Leanne Donahue. So you can definitely go on Jason Jones' Facebook page, and it was one day ago, so it was November 21st. So this this could happen to any one of us. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. He's a, a liar and a father of lies and a murderer from the beginning. This young man's life was held in balance being being tried for what our founding fathers fought for the uh, the bill of rights, the first amendment to to uh, freedom of speech and assembly, the freedom to uh, uh, to carry arms. Yeah, second, second bear, amendment. Bear, bear arms. To protect your to property. Be, to be safe in your person and in your into your uh, properties. And this could happen to any one of us here. This is this is uh, why the United States hanging on in this time of reset and all all, all of this craziness that is going on in here. And um, there are a few news outlets that are protecting the rights of humans. But uh, this young man, what was the young man who uh, was on the uh, steps of the Supreme Court that uh, he he made a few dollars after he was uh, exonerated? But the same thing happened with the media, right? You got one story, and it turns out the story was false. Well, even with Nick Sandman's case, the the bishop, was it Bishop Stowe? Yes, that um, yes. totally went against him. Yep, yeah. that's right. I forgot about that. That was uh, that was a tragedy. It was a tragedy. Yeah, but as as you know, you watch that trial, you think, what if that were my son, my mm-hmm. brother, my, my neighbor, son, anybody. my yeah. neighbor, my husband, my property, or my family's property, right. or myself? You yeah, know, if I, you know, and it's just like it's like you said, Tom. It could happen to anyone, and the way that it's been twisted. The people think they're getting the story, but we're not getting the story. Well, and one of the things that's you got to look at it and say, okay, what's driving this and where is it coming from? There are people who have embraced demonic actions to make these things, these negative stories, and these things happen. I mean, you know, and one of the things I thought about is the the men who died, that he shot out of self-defense that died. Where are their souls right now? Mm-hmm. You know, we don't know, but... That thought is not given consideration nearly often enough. No, and, and from a spiritual standpoint, I think sometimes we need to talk about that, and, and not only from a forgiveness standpoint, but reality in the sense of you can't just go out and start shooting people without consequences. Right, but what I think I'd like to tie what we're talking about right now back with that first segment we talked about covid Because someone said, oh, blood clots, you know, well, that would be a fast, easy way to go. I'd like to go that way. I said, well, yeah, if you've just been to confession. Right. Right. So what, no matter what kind of life you're living, we know God allows U-turns, right? So whether you're, you know, been shooting people or whatever, God allows U-turns. But even most of us that don't live like that, Mm -hmm. you know, we might think, oh, it'd be really fast and easy to go that way. Well, if we've been to confession, right. a good death is a death that follows confession and the anointing of the sick and the apostolic pardon. Exactly. That's a good death. Right. Followed by a good life, because everything you just described is what should be 
happening in our lives, which is what we talked about in the last uh, segment about First Friday, or uh, well, and First Saturday specifically, and mass attendance here. Right, but a lot of people, what do they say? I don't need to go to confession. I haven't killed anybody. Right? So and we're I looking at that extreme example. It's like, no, right. no, 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 no. Look at your life. Are you ready to stand before God today? Well, and how about, you know, another headline? This came out of Waukesha last night. The, the SUV who drove through a Christmas parade killing and injuring five. There's five dead and there's 48 injured at last count that I had. Unbelievable. You don't know when your day is up. Mm-hmm. I have heard so many people downplay the existence and reality of the guy named Lucifer. Mm-hmm. Call him Satan, call him the devil, call him whatever you want. We're paying way too much attention on oppression and uh, demonology and all of this. And if you don't believe, just turn the 10 o'clock news on. Well, when you start taking mass away and you start not having an opportunity for the sacraments to be received, then why would we question some of these things happening on the atrocity level that they are? Well, and there is a coincidence. If you look at the timeline, not saying, of course, that things were perfect before 1960 by any means. Right. But if you look at the timeline, when the church got weak at Vatican II, when they when they stepped back, when they used ambiguous language, when they got weak in the early 60s, Look at how the gates of hell prevailed. I mean, we're talking the summer of love. We're talking Woodstock. We're talking rock and roll. We're talking no-fault divorce. I mean, all the dominoes just started falling because the church stepped back in her role to keep Satan at bay. Yeah. That tragedy happened on the Feast of Christ the King. Which tragedy? Which The, the, year, the which... Christmas parade in Waukesha. On the, the Nova Soto oh, calendar. Oh. Yeah. With, oh. I mean, this is this is just horrific here. Uh, and I heard uh, Michael Matt, I believe it was, who uh, you hear occasionally on KCRD, who speaks to uh, the upcoming feast, is when he spoke about it, uh, the Feast of Christ the King, which is the last Sunday in ordinary time before the first Sunday of Advent, which is the new year of the church. And he said, you know, we're not going to do until Christ the King moves beyond a devotion and to to a a, uh, way of life. Think about what he's saying here. You know, we, we you know we're just not here to be devoted to the concept of Christ the King. We we need to give him uh, our submission that he is our sovereign, that that we surrender to Christ the King. And not only us individually, but all nations, all nations, yeah. all nations, all peoples, all languages. All nations will recognize Christ as king. Mm-hmm. That's big. Well, and that's that was one thing that somebody said, one of the Catholic bloggers, that, that we're a long ways away from the world ending or the second coming of Christ. And it was interesting because the point that they made was exactly that, that all nations don't know Christ. That all nations, you know, there's pockets of people out in our world that have no clue what Christianity is, let alone who Christ is. I find that hard to believe. I'm sure it's true, but I mean, in the world that we live in, I'm like, 
there's three major religions. You're either a Christian, Jewish, or Muslim. And who no, would not I, know? I, I, who I would think, not I know? I think it's, it's bigger than that. Not, not to mention all of the uh, other of South Asia, the Hindus, the Buddhists, the... Uh, right. Sa- but in America... <laughs> the Satanists are on the, on the rise, on the for, yeah. crying out loud. for crying out loud. The thing about America is, what do people say here? Separation of church and state. Separation. That is not what Catholics believe. No, I'm no here such to thing. tell you that is not what Catholics believe. Separation of church or state came out of the 1950s, and it was it was a, a way to bump God out. You cannot have the separation of church and state any more than you can have the separation of the body and the soul and have a living person. Yeah. The church is the conscience of the nation. The church, God, is is the soul that beats the heart, that whole way that we live and, and orient our lives. And as soon as you take that out of the state, you get godless atheism, communism, which is right where we're headed. We, we need to get away from the idea of separation of church and state. Properly structured, it's one nation under God. Right? Under a Christian God. Under a Christian, yep. Well, because all of, all of the gods of the pagans are demons. Right. That's right. Did, That's scripture. Did, you, did anybody catch that? All of the gods of the pagans are demons. That's right. That's right. So unless it's Jesus Christ, it's a demon, right? We need to be talking about Jesus. And, and Jesus Christ needs to be the king of all nations. There she is in the sandbox drawing a, si- a line again, Janet. <laughs> How are we doing on time? Did we, uh, We've got about a minute and a half left if we want to wrap anything up here. Any horses to beat, Janet? Well, I just think that we really have to, as laity with everything that we've talked about in all three segments, in order for Jesus to be king of our nation, what do I need to do in my workplace? What do I need to do in my family? What do I need to do with my my social friends? And how can I not only make Jesus more of the king of my life? I think that's a great takeaway here. We've been beating up on uh, bishops and archbishops and, and presidents and speakers of the house and and uh, but sooner or later got to look in the mirror mm-hmm. got to look in the mirror and when it comes to our judgment it's going to be what did you do right and, and what did you be, not do right and what <laughs> did you not do and it's not going to be oh no 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 pointing over there right what did you do what did you not do when faustina had the opportunity when jesus looked at her and she knew here's a saint Here's a saint. She knew that in living in a convent and living her life as best as she could, she could, she still failed. She mm. failed as a human being. And to me, I shudder to think about that because I'm like, oh my gosh, she was a saint. If I start comparing myself to her, oh wow. You got that. You're out of time, Janet. We're pulling the plug on you. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Glory be to the Father and, and to, to the, the Son and, and to, to the, the Holy Spirit. Spirit. As, As it was, was in the, the beginning, beginning, is now, and ever never shall be, world, world without end. end. Amen. I'm Tom Oglesby. Colleen Pasnick. And Janet Wagner. This is The Chatter on FM 98.3 KCRD.